Jesse. Good morning, Encounter Church. I echo uh, Jesse and Michael's greetings. We're glad you're here this morning uh, and that you have uh, made it all the way in. And I'm certainly trusting that you are glad that you came. Acts chapter 5. Just so you know, we do have some special guests. Uh, Derek's parents, all the way from South Dakota, made it here. And so we welcome them. Doris and Tom, and Tom said that uh, he's going to leave this place. He's going to say, what, see, what did you say, Louisville, shut the lights out, or, or it was a lights, a lights out time, right, something to that extent. Uh, but we are glad uh, to have you, Tom and Doris, welcome. Certainly think a whole lot of, of Derek and uh, Tori as well, and a special time. So Acts chapter 5, hopefully you are there. We're continuing in our teaching series here through the book of Acts, and uh, we've kind of been going one chapter at a time. We will be picking up the pace a little bit more, covering a little bit more ground uh, some, somewhat each Sunday. Uh, so I just encourage you as you're, as you're traveling along with us in this book, be reading ahead, uh, be reading through the book of through chapter 6 next Sunday, and uh, I think that would just be helpful to all of us as we, um, as we study this passage. And, and Marin, I don't have my clicker, so if you can just follow along. Uh, with me here this morning. This morning I want to begin asking you a question, uh, and it has to do with witnessing, right? This is what we're, we're looking at the book of Acts through the lens of witnessing, because that's how the message of Jesus' resurrection spread, is that the fact that Jesus rose out of the grave, uh, it spread through a word of, hey, thank you, Anders, uh, did you steal that from me? Or, or, oh, your mom gave it to you, all right. Uh, it, it spread... It spread through that word of mouth witnessing. And so we as a church, we are invited to do the same. We are invited, not even invited, let me even uh, put a little bit more emphasis. We're commanded to do the same. And we'll even see that some here this morning. And so the question I want to pose to us this morning is, I want to ask you, how determined are you in your witnessing? How determined are you in your witnessing, right? Imagine if there was a thermometer or a meter of some sort that could that had the ability to measure your level of determination in witnessing and sharing your testimony, like Michael gave us such a wonderful example of just a quick testimony of sharing how Jesus has changed his life. Right? How determined are you in, in sharing that with your coworkers, with your neighbors, with your family members, with your children? Right? If there were a meter, what would that meter read? What would the thermometer say about your level of determination? Maybe the meter would come back or the thermometer would say that your determination is ice cold because of laziness or complacency. Maybe some of us have grown lazy in sharing our, our testimony and witnessing. Maybe that thermometer would say that you're lukewarm because you have a preference toward convenience. Because you have a preference toward making, making sure everyone is, is happy. Right, maybe it would say that you're lukewarm, or, or maybe for some of you, that temperature would come back and it would show a reading that your level of determination and sharing your faith and your witnessing would say that you are red hot, that you are on fire for the Lord, you're telling everyone about Jesus. Now, I don't know where you fall in your heart right now. On your, on your determination and your witnessing. But hopefully, all of us 
as we are going through this teaching series through the book of Acts, as we're participating in the 9 o'clock discipleship classes, hopefully all of us, our temperature is trending upward. And that's really, that, that's one of the goals of this entire teaching series, right? Is, is to help all of us become more aware, become more intentional, to see the opportunities from a different perspective to to enter into conversations with a different motive in mind. With that motive of sharing the truth that Jesus is alive and that he's changed your life and that he can change the lives of those whom we love. So this morning I begin by asking that question, how determined are you? in your witnessing. The big idea for this morning's sermon is this. To be determined in your witness because Christ's resurrection is certain. Right? When you have a true story to tell and, and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that that story, that truth has impacted your life in some way. Right? There's, there's an added determination because of that certainty. And we're going to discover this morning that, be, that, that, we should be, that we should be like those early apostles, like those early believers, that we should be just as determined in our witness. Why? Because we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is alive. Now this morning we are going to cover a lot of ground, and we, we, I am going to begin reading uh, there near the end of chapter 4, and by God's grace, we will make it in a timely manner all the way to the end of chapter 5. Those of you who don't have electricity at your house, I mean, who cares, right? We have it here. You might as well stick around for a little while. But we're going to look here, starting there at the end of chapter 4, all the way through, through verse, uh, verse 42 of chapter 5. And, and what we're going to see is Peter is, he's continuing in his declaration that Jesus rose from the grave, and he's preaching this, and, and we've, we've, we've seen that in these chapters leading up to it, we're going to see it again this morning, but what we're going to uncover, and we're going to see how Peter has a very unique determination in his witness. Now we're going to see, in fact, look there at verse 19 of, of chapter 4, okay, we're dipping a little bit back into uh, Pastor Dan and, and Zach's uh, sermon last week. But, but we're going to see that Peter emphasizes when, when the religious leaders instruct him, basically they say, Peter, you just need to sit down and be quiet. Peter's response to them, they're in verse 19 of chapter 4, but Peter and John replied. They said, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you, to listen to you or to him? You be the judge. As for us, what, what do they say there in verse 20? As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Peter, he, Peter says, we, we can't sit down and be silent about what we have, what we know to be true. Now those verses there in chapter 4, they, they really, they, they're like the one-sided the one bookend of a segment of, of Scripture that takes us there to chapter 5, verse 42, 
that also Peter says similar words, and we will get to that finish line, Lord willing, here this morning. But there's this segment of Scripture that Luke, as he writes and records for us here in the book of Acts, Luke emphasizes, and he draws our attention to Peter's determination in his witness. And I believe there's a lot that we can learn from it this morning for us, in our own hearts, in our own lives. And hopefully it will spur us on to be even more determined in sharing how Jesus, the living Savior, has changed your life and my life and how, how we need to be determined to share that with everyone we need. Now we're going to also see that the context of these verses is that there's a growing opposition from the religious and governing officials. Right? We see the prayer of the believers in Acts chapter 29 through 31 is they ask God to give them boldness. Right? That they ask God, they say, help us to be bold, to stand firm and share your faith. And this is giving us a foreshadow of the coming persecution. It's like the foreshadow of a movie that hints at, at, at the coming trouble that's brewing, that there's a storm on its way. Right, this opposition that began as threats there in chapter 4, that opposition that began as, as merely threats, it's going to lead here in chapter 5, it's going to lead to imprisonment. It's going to lead to, to flogging, to Peter and John and the other apostles being beaten. It's even going to lead to a, a public outcry where people cry out and they want to see these apostles put to death. And yet as the opposition increases, so also did the believer's determination. When the world turns the heat up against you and the faith that you hold fast to, how do you respond? Do we respond in silence? Do we cower in fear? Or do we join with the apostles where they, where they meet this opposition with the same force of determination? Why? Because they are so certain of the resurrection of Jesus and the change it's made in their life. They say, you can't silence us. So again, this morning, we want to be determined in our witness because Christ is alive. And he's changing lives. Well, let's look here, uh, starting in, in chapter 4, verse 29, through uh, chapter 5, verse 11. I want to see how our determination is strengthened by our fellowship and unity. That our determination is strengthened by our fellowship and, and unity. Last Sunday, Pastor Dan and Zach Parsons, who's our intern, both of them, they did a great job teaming it up together. And they preached, us, they preached through chapters 3 and 4, and they instructed on how our witness is backed up by God's authority and how it's fueled by our time with Jesus and our time in prayer. And so as we pick right up where Zach left off at the end of chapter 4, what we discover is how the believer's determination was strengthened by their community, by their fellowship and unity that they had with each other. Go ahead and look there, starting in verse 29 of chapter 4, and just follow along with me as I continue reading. Beginning there in verse 29, it says, now, actually, uh, verse 32 is where, is where I want to go. It says, all the believers 
were, were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had. Now take note of verse 33 here. It says, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses, they sold them. They brought the money from the sales and they put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Barnabas sold a field he owned and he brought the money and he put it at the apostles' feet. Again, so, so here's what's happening, right? The opposition is beginning to grow. The, the movement the, of, of the way of following Jesus, it's beginning to grow as well. People are coming to faith. They're understanding the change that Jesus Christ will make in their life. And, and they're believing in the power of that resurrection. And so we see here is that it's establishing a fellowship and a unity among them. Again, I think there in verse 33, this is a significant, a, 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 unique, a uniquely placed verse where it says, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Right there in the midst of Luke helping us to see the fellowship and the unity, what we see is the continued overflow of them declaring that Jesus is alive. The ongoing and continual practice of our fellowship and unity serves as a declaration of Jesus' resurrection. That Jesus is alive. Now this past Wednesday night we had our, our prayer and our potluck night. I always sometimes struggle with that title. Because here you're praying to the sovereign Lord. But you're casting lots when it comes to what you're going to eat. So we call it the potluck and the prayer night here. But, but we had this time, this Wednesday evening. And, and there are, believe me, there are Wednesdays, there are Sunday mornings when I just, I, I, I'm I just don't feel like going to church. Have you, any of you ever felt like that? Maybe this morning was one of those mornings. Right? You're like, I can't, I'm not, I just had a shower in two days. Right? I mean, I'll, we can tell, but, but it's... <laughs> no, you're, you're like, oh, I you're coming up with all these excuses not to go, but then when you actually show up, you leave thinking to yourself, I'm glad I was there. And this, this past Wednesday night was a special time for us as a church family where we gathered around food and we ate lots of food. And then, we, and then Michael did a wonderful job taking us through Scripture and allowing Scripture to inform and guide and direct our prayers. It really was a special time. And what it caused, what it did in my heart is, is it encouraged me to want to live for the Lord more, it encouraged me to want to invite other people into this. Like, why would I not want to invite my unchurched, unsafe friends and neighbors into experience what I just had the joy of participating in? And so we see here, there's a unique fellowship, there's a unique unity that takes place within us that then out of that... It helps, it helps fuel our desire to want to tell more people about Jesus. I wonder if maybe, 
Maybe some of you might say, you know, right now my determination, I am ice cold. I wonder, can you connect that? Like, what is filling your heart? And is the fellowship of believers, are you actively stepping into that? Are you actively serving? Are you actively giving yourself to, to this fellowship and this unity of believers so it can fuel your desire to want to witness and share with other people? And if maybe right now you're ice cold in your determination, I'm not going to, I don't want to paint with a broad brush and say that this has got to be it. But I think it's a worthwhile question. Am I truly stepping into the life of the church? Or am I just showing up and expecting to be served on a Sunday morning and hope that maybe they have donuts that week? We see that our determination is strengthened. There's a reason why Luke records and he says the apostles continue to share the truth of the resurrection. Why he records that? They're in the midst of talking about their fellowship and unity because there's a direct connection between the two. Let's go on. And we see here in chapter 5, okay, so now, now we get to this this account that many of us might be familiar with, this account about Ananias and Sapphira. Right, moving along there to chapter 5, this chapter now begins with a warning of how easily our fellowship and our unity can be threatened by hypocrisy and deceit. In verses 1 through 11, what we're uncovering, what we're seeing is how seriously God views the fellowship and the unity of the church. And that, and that God sees that as something to maintain. There's a purity in there that God cares about. So let's look here. Let's read verses. Follow along with me as I read verses 1 through 11. Again, this is a threat to the fellowship and the unity of the church. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, they also sold a piece of property. And with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself. But he brought the rest and he put it at the apostles' feet. And then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Well, didn't it belong to you before it was sold, and after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? Well, you have not lied just to human beings, but to God. And when Ananias heard this, he fell down, and he died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. And then some young men came forward, they wrapped up his body, and they carried him out, and they buried him. About three, late year, about three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. And Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. And at that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in and, finding her dead, they carried her out 
and buried her beside her husband. And great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Now, without a doubt, and even here in the room as we've read this, without a doubt, you can sense the tense environment of these verses. Right? Signs and wonders are taking place. There at the end of chapter 4, we see that there's respect for the apostles that is growing. Some, though, are choosing to keep their distance. They're hesitant to be associated with this group. They're fearful of putting their own lives at risk. However, we, we come to understand that many are flocking to the, the apostles and to this movement of Jesus. Some translations even emphasize that multitudes were being added to this group. And of course, to some, these miracles and these signs and wonders, these events were alarming, while to others, the miracles were appealing. Right? They understood that there's a, a, a resurrection message here. But we notice how quickly Satan wants to come in and thwart the fellowship and the unity of the believers, don't we? Right? We see, we see how quickly he wants to, to, to get inside there and, and begin to bring division. And that's why it's important. We note here that, that Peter himself, right? Then Peter said, there in verse 3, then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart? Now, if you remember, leading up to the fellowship and the unity of the believers, we learn and we read that, that what has filled the hearts of the believers, it says the Holy Spirit has filled their hearts. And out of the Holy Spirit filling their hearts, then you have this fellowship and this unity. Now what we see is Peter, he calls Ananias and Sapphira out and he says, you have allowed Satan to be the one to fill your hearts. Right? The hypocrisy and the deceit of these early verses are the result of Satan filling Ananias and Sapphira's hearts. And the end result of this hypocrisy and deceit is for them, it's death. Ananias and Sapphira were both struck down by God and their bodies, and I want you to let, this, let these words kind of, I, we're going to hear these words again. Their bodies were carried away. This judgment is shocking. But that seems to be the point. It's intended to grab our attention and to help us to see how the life of hypocrisy and deceit that is candy-coated by Satan, such a way of life is a far cry from the witness of a resurrected life that is displayed through our fellowship and our unity. And so what we see in these verses is that our determination. Right? Satan wants to, he wants to undercut the fellowship and our unity because when, when you have a divided church, when you have a church that doesn't get along, that doesn't enjoy being together, how can you be spurred on in your witness? So the strength of our fellowship, like, right, what happens on a Wednesday night is important at our prayer and potluck meetings. What happens in your discipleship group, what happens on a Saturday morning in our men's group, it matters. We're not just walking time here, folks. Right? We're not just like, hey, I have nothing else to do. I think I'll just go and hang out with some, some men. Right? We all know we all have things to do. But we step into those because it matters not only within the life of the church, but it matters in fueling our witness. 
Well, we need to keep moving, all right? So next we see that our determination is emboldened by the hope of our message, okay? So Ananias and Sapphira, their sin has caused them to be carried out. It has caused them to be carried out. And now we see in verses 12 through 18 how our determination now is emboldened by the hope of our message. In verses 12 through 18, this determination is emboldened by hope. So follow along with me as I read, starting there in verse 12. The apostles then, right, the, the apostles are performing many signs and wonders among the people. All the believers uh, used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade, but no one else dared to join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and are being added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats, so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem. They were bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. We're going to dip into verse 17 here. It says, Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, they were filled with jealousy. And they arrested the apostles, and they put them in public jail. Many people are now flocking to this movement, aren't they? Right? We see this. Right? So the movement is spreading beyond just the upper room where the 120 gathered. Right now, now it's starting to gain momentum. Now the apostles are performing these signs and these miracles. So much so that people just wanted them to, to be able to, like, if Peter's shadow could just cross over my paralyzed friend, then he would be healed. What an incredible sight. It's in verses 15 and 16 where Luke is recording how this resurrection power of Jesus is being put on display through these miracles. Right? What's happening in these verses? Family members and friends are bringing family members and friends. Again, try to imagine the, the image, right? They're, they're hauling them around on cots, right? They're, 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 they're calling their friends up, they're calling their neighbors up, and they're saying, there is this incredible message of hope, and we've just got to get you there. Right? From down the street and across the county, people are flocking to Jerusalem, they're filling the city streets, they're eager to believe in the hope-filled message of the resurrection of Christ and to receive His healing. Church, if God, what we see here is that if God can raise Christ Jesus from the dead, these people believe that, that, that He's also able to heal my sick friend. It's an interesting note, and I've already mentioned this. I think it's an interesting note in the comparison of how the word carried is used in the account of Ananias and Sapphira. And how the word carried then is used in this account. Now, the NIV talks about how they were brought in, not necessarily carried. But we see here that with Ananias and Sapphira, that sin has a way of causing us to be carried out. Sin has a way of causing us to be carried away from the fellowship of, of believers. Instead here, when there is hope, 
And when there's a hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, what happens? We start carrying our friends and our neighbors to it in faith, believing that the same resurrected Christ who changed our hearts and our lives is capable of changing theirs. And so we are invited to join with these in, in this hopeful message and carrying other people to come and hear the news that Jesus is alive and that He saved us. The apostles knew that the hope of their message, they knew that it emboldened their determination. These bold men, what did they do? Again, we, we already learned that this segment begins with the religious leaders telling them to sit down and be quiet. They refuse. Instead, now they have like a public ministry, a public rally taking place. They're undeterred. They're undeterred in their witness. They refuse to be silenced. They refuse to hide themselves away. They knew that if they didn't declare this message, then who else would? And I ask you that question this morning. If you don't declare the message of a resurrected Savior to your friends and your family members and your co-workers and your neighbors, who else is going to? Who else will? Church, our, our message is one that's filled with great hope. It's filled with incredible hope. Are you determined to share this message of hope with others? Right? There's no better news in the world than the good news of Jesus Christ. In fact, yesterday, uh, Carl made this statement there in our men's group. He said it takes all kinds of people to reach all kinds of people. Right? What if God has placed you, what if God has placed you in a unique situation that I can't go into? And, and others can't go into, but God has given you that opportunity. God has given you the opportunity to be your neighbor's neighbor. God has given you the opportunity to be your boss's employee. God has given you the opportunity to be a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle or a brother or a sister. Jesse shared with us in our discipleship class how, how in, in his journey to Jesus Christ, it was his brother who kept sharing these stories of how Christ had been working in his heart. Carl told us yesterday in our men's group, it takes all kinds of people to reach all kinds of people. And God is using you to serve as a witness. And the disciples help us to see that we have a hopeful message. Well, then next we see that our determination is commanded by a higher authority. Our determination is commanded by a higher authority. In verses 19 through 33, we are going to see how the, the, the apostles will not be deterred in their ministry no matter the, the opposition. They are determined to continue to preach. Now, follow along with me. Okay, so, so again, there in verse 18, they've arrested the apostles. They've put them in public jail. Let's continue on now. In verse 19, it says, But during the night, again, the, the apostles, they're in jail. They're locked behind closed doors. They're locked behind jail doors. 
Verse 19, but during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and, the, and tell the people all about this one, this new life. Oh, I think we could camp on that for a few minutes, couldn't we? This new life. What do we tell, like, when, when we share the gospel with other people, the goal is not to just dump a bunch of doctrine and theology on them and try to impress them with all the great deep truths of the Bible that we know. That's not the goal of our witnessing. The goal of your witnessing and my witness is just, is this. I have new life in Jesus Christ. He has changed me. And He is continuing to change me. And I want to invite you to experience that change too. And so this is what the angel says. He doesn't say, go put on a theological seminar. Don't go tell them a bunch of doctrine. The angel just says, go tell them about the new life that you have in Christ Jesus. And so the angel lets them out and he says, and tell the people all about this new life. And at daybreak, these apostles, continuing on then in verse 21, at daybreak they entered the temple courts as they had been told by the angel and they began to teach the people. Now this is almost a comedy of errors, it seems, that's going to about to take place. Great embarrassment for these high priests. When the high priest and his associates arrived, okay, again, they arrived to the council, almost to like the, the, the courtroom scene, when the high priest and the associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of, of the elders of Israel, and they sent to, to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and they reported, um, Chief Priest, we got a problem. Uh, the, the, they're not there. right? I, almost like with fear and trembling. right? Could you imagine being that person who's like, I'm a little bit afraid to tell this guy. But <laughs> the jail cell's empty. It says we found the jail. It was securely locked with the guards. Not that the guards didn't even know. With the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests, they were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. And then look at this. Then someone came and said, Look, the men you put in jail are now standing in the temple courts teaching the people. And at that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared of what the, the people would, that the people would stone them. And the apostles were brought in and, they, and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. And they said, we gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, in Jesus' name. He said, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. And Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. Church, you want to underline a verse from this morning's sermon regarding your witnessing. There it is. We must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead whom you killed by hanging Him on a cross. God exalted Him to His own right hand as Prince and Savior that He might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. 
And he says, we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. And when they heard this, they were furious, and they wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who was honored by all the people, he stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. And then he addressed the Sanhedrin. He said, men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Thaddeus appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. But he was killed, and all of his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. And then after him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census, and he led a band of people in revolt, but he too was killed, and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case of these apostles, I advise you, Leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from, from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. What an account. The apostles taken into custody... The angel lets them out of jail. And where do they go? They go back to doing exactly what they were just told not to do. For them, in all circumstances, for these apostles, and especially in witnessing, obedience to God came first. God was their final authority. When it comes to our witnessing, rather than obedience, we tend to look for excuses, don't we? And rather than asking ourselves, is this what God wants me to do? We instead look around and we ask questions like, well, if I share this truth, is it popular? Or is this course of action safe for me to share? Or, what are people going to think of me if, that's, if, if, if they hear that I believe in Jesus? Or even, like, if I share my faith at work, what's my boss going to do? Right? What, what are they going to say in HR? Or maybe you're a high school student or in college. Maybe your question, your concern is, what are others going to say about me when I'm not around? Are they going to make fun of me because I follow Jesus? See, for the apostles, their only question is, is this what God wants me to do? And if so, they obeyed regardless, right? Their marching orders came from an angel himself. And the angel said, go now, get back to the temple, and keep preaching. And so what did they do? They did. Regardless of the consequences, regardless of the fallout, church, we should be asking ourselves that same question. Is this what God wants me to do? And if so, Lord, help me to be obedient to it. See, God has appointed each of us as witnesses. Every one of us. But if you follow, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a witness. You have a story. Bill Clark made this comment. 
uh, earlier, wherever Bill Clark is, there he is. He, he said, Bill Clark, after, the, after the, the discipleship class this morning, Bill Clark, he made this comment. He said, you know, Michael, as we were talking about our testimonies, he said, I looked around the room and, room and he said, I was reminded that every person in here has a story. And it's a unique story of how Christ has changed your life. Michael Fay, as he stands up here, that's a unique story that is unique to him that God has blessed him with. And now Michael has that responsibility out of obedience. Michael now is to share that story of how Christ has changed him with other people. And he should be determined. We all should be determined in this. And so then we see there again the point that Emilio is making. Right there at the end as he stands up, as, as, as some of these guys wanted heads to roll, right? they were ready to, to pick off these apostles, right? let's, let's put them up and let's hang them, let's get rid of them, let's stone them, whatever we need to do, let's get rid of them. Gamaliel stands up and basically, essentially, here's what he says. He says, let's just wait and find out. Because if this movement is of men, he says, then it will die out on its own. He says, but if this movement is, God, is of God, then we will not be able to stop it. And if you're the religious rulers, and if you're the Sanhedrin, and if you're the Pharisees, that's a very logical argument. Because the last thing you want to be known as, as a religious ruler, is to be someone who's fighting against God's purposes. And so Gamaliel pre he presents the case. He says, let's just wait, let's, sit, let's see what happens. In church, the record of history has provided, provided us with the answer to this proposition. 2,000 years later, the movement is still going strong. And it's still going strong in your life. It's still going strong in my life. And think about this. That movement wants to continue in the lives of those whom we love who are far from Jesus Christ. And we answer not to the men, not to the women, not to those who lead us, the people of, of this world who, who try to rule over us. We have a higher authority. And that's to God Himself. That we should be determined because we're commanded by a higher authority. And then the final point then is this is our determination now is commended by suffering. Chapter 5 concludes with the apostles rejoicing in their suffering. Look, look there at verse 40. Right, so, the, so the Sanhedrin, okay, they come to the point, they say, okay, let's listen to what Gamaliel has, has to say. We won't kill them. Verse 40, his speech it persuaded them, being the Sanhedrin. And so instead they called the apostles in and had them flogged. It's almost like they're just wanting to get a cheap shot before releasing them. Okay, so we can't kill them, but let's beat them a few times. Had them flogged. And then they again ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. And the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. And day after day, 
in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Their determination is commended by suffering. After receiving what may have been the 40 lashes, the apostles' response was not a pity party. The apostles' response was not, man, what do we need to do to make sure we don't run in with them again? Their response is rejoicing. Right? That which we fear most, which is often suffering for our faith, right? more often than not, we fear that. We fear that we might have to suffer for our faith. What we fear most is actually a means of great encouragement to the apostles. I mean, this is one of those statements that they were, they were rejoicing in their suffering. This is one of those statements that truly defies our imagination. They considered it an honor to suffer for Jesus. In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said these words, Blessed are you when people insult you, when they persecute you, when they falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Jesus said, Rejoice and be glad. Because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Or later in his letter there that we record as 1 Peter. 1 Peter 4.16. Again, Peter, the same one who's saying many of these words, sermons, later in 1 Peter chapter 4. Here's what Peter says. He says, if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God. In this name. Church, we tend to shudder at the thought of suffering for the Lord. Sadly, we often compromise our witness for the purpose of avoiding persecution. Whatever form it might come in. We forget that many believers around the world at this very moment are enduring because, because of their faithfulness to their Savior. They are meeting even though they didn't have electricity last time. They're enduring because of their faithfulness to the Savior. And these who are suffering persecution in these ways are men and women for whom the world is not worthy, as Hebrews tells us. For they have chosen the path of intense suffering rather than following the line of least resistance. In church, I wonder, when it comes to sharing our faith, when it comes to witnessing, when it comes to how determined am I in sharing my story, are we willing to suffer for it? Is your determined witness commended by suffering? Is your witness undaunted by the threats? In verse 42, it re-emphasizes their determined witness. They kept on teaching and preaching the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. Church, 
We are instructed to be a witness. And we can be that witness. We can be determined in that witness. Why? Because we have a certainty that Jesus Christ is alive. And He's changed your life. And He's changed my life. And He's ready to change the lives of others. Don't shy away from your witness. Be determined in it. There's no uh, clearer display of Christ's loving determination than the cross of Calvary is there. We are reminded as we participate in communion each week, we have this memory tool that helps remind us that Jesus was determined to go to the cross to die in our place and to rise again on the third day. And when we participate in communion in the Lord's table, we see His determination for us. And may it also serve as a motivation to be determined in our witness for Him.